Israel's been in Egypt 400 years. We go back to the beginning of this episode. Uh, it is Israel that saves them. There is the drought. We have the story of Joseph, how the Lord raised him up, uh, how he was ascended uh, to the right hand of Pharaoh, second uh, in charge over the entire kingdom, if you will, of Egypt. Lord uh, gave him the understanding uh, of the dream that Pharaoh had had of the uh, fat years and the lean years that the drought was coming and that the lean years were coming, and indeed they did, and then how uh, Joseph uh, uh, encountered the brothers who had sold him and left him in the hole, sold him into slavery. And uh, that, that's a, that's a tear-jerking story right there and uh, about his dad and everything. But their entrance into Egypt is what saved them. They'd have starved to death if they hadn't gone to Egypt. And Egypt would have starved to death had it not been for God's man, Joseph, whom the Lord miraculously elevated in that country uh, to do this uh, work of salvation. But they've been there 400 years, and the Bible tells us that there arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. So the Egyptians began to treat the Israelites cruelly and make them slaves under their feet. So now, 400 years later, what started off as a pretty good deal as far as you know, saving from starving to death has become a pretty bad deal because now they are slaves and uh, they are suffering in this same country. So God raises up a deliverer, another one, Moses. Sends him in there, and we all know about the, the plagues that God uh, put on Egypt at that time to secure her deliverance. But my point is this. God is always going to save his people, his children, out of a mess. He's going to do it. So this is how he does it. He establishes the Passover. We've already read here about getting the lamb and what they're supposed to do with it, what they're supposed to do with the blood. They take the blood, they put it on the top, and on the sides of the doorpost right here. And, what it, and if you'll notice the door right here, what that creates. When you put the blood at the top and on each side and the blood drips down to the bottom, you have made a cross. So that's what the Israelites did in obedience to the Lord's command. And then in the 11th verse, when they're talking about eating this Passover, eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Get ready because you ain't tomorrow you leave in Egypt. Amen. Now, not only do they leave Egypt, not only do the Egyptians give them permission to leave, the Egyptians cast them out. Not only do they just say, well, you know, put your stuff in, uh, in that uh, wagon and let the oxen drag it on out of here. We're going to load you down with treasure because we want you gone from here. We've suffered all of, uh, of these uh, uh, moves of your God to the uh, death of the firstborn son, and we want y'all out from here. It is amazing how the Lord is able to engineer circumstances, isn't it, and change anybody's mind. Pharaoh said, I will not let you go, and then the time came when he said, get from here and take everything you want. We're going to load you down with treasures because we want you gone from this house. Now, that's just a country uh, uh, paraphrase, if you will. But the point I want to make here is that the Lord has instructed his people, you get ready because you're about to move out. With your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Get in traveling mode. Prepare yourself because I am fixing to move you out. That's why the question is asked in this message, brother or sister, have you got your traveling clothes on? 
because a similar circumstance exists now. Evil men have waxed worse and worse, and we are living in the perilous times of the last days. Nobody ever would have thunk it 25 years ago that the United States of America would be in the mess that this nation is in tonight as I speak. This coming Wednesday is going to be September 11th, 2019. September 11th, 2001, we were horrified. We were shocked at what happened in New York as the planes hit the Twin Towers. And all those thousands of people, innocent people, not military combatants, civilians, innocent people, lost their lives when those towers came down. And on September 12th, we all made a vow we would never forget this. The most heinous attack on our country, greater than the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. We will never forget this. Our president stood in the rubble of those towers with that megaphone and said, the people that did this are about to hear us, and our nation was united for a brief moment. September 12th of 2001, if you would have told me, Brother Andy, in a few years this nation is going to elect a Muslim masquerading as a Christian to be president, I'd have said, you've off your rocker, not after what them people have done in New York City. That can't ever happen, but it happened. Now, I'm politically incorrect. I guess I need to get a T-shirt and warn folks before they get around me. Brother Andy, are you saying that Barack Obama is a Muslim? If he's a spotted cow in Texas, that man was a Muslim and still is. So don't mess with me about that because there ain't no change in my mind on that. And you never would have thunk it that what took place during the eight years of his presidency and then how the nation had kind of a turnaround to elect a man who said, you know what, I'm against everything that fellow's for. But you never would have thought things would change the way they did. And now, in a divided nation, we got people that have just lost their natural mind and want to inaugurate, if you will, or establish a socialist government in this country. You know what happens if they win and socialism is embraced by the Congress of this nation? We all going to be broke. Socialism breaks every nation it's ever been tried. It has never been successful. And socialism only exists until the folks get enough power that they can impose communism. And communism is nothing more than a dictatorship of the elite. This nation was established upon personal liberty. And that concept came from the word of God. When, Bible, when the Lord told Israel, you shall not covet that which belongs to your neighbor. Amen. I'm glad that I, own, I don't own a lot, but I'm glad I got what I got. And I'm glad that it's mine. Amen. When we put our hands, anybody, in the hands of the government to meet all of our needs, that is just a, a prescription for disaster. It is a disaster waiting to happen. So we see how circumstances have changed in Egypt for the Israelites, and we can fast forward that to 2019 and see how circumstances have changed in our world, the turmoil and the uncertainty and the anxiety that's going on. And people, you thought 
educated people, people with degrees, people with letters after their name, A, B, C, D, E, F, C, I, A, F, B, I, R, whatever. Educated people. You thought, well, have, have at least a smidgen of sense. Stand up and say, oh, no, we want 70% of what you make. Give it to the government. The government will take care of you. Go to Detroit. Go to Chicago. Go to New York. Go to Los Angeles if you can stand a smell and see what's happening. That's where we are. Oh, Brother Andy preached me happy. We're going to get happy here directly. You just hang on. As sure as the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, there is an anti-Christian sentiment, not only in the United States, but around the world. And our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering persecution in other nations. And if the devil can have his way, he'll do it here. He will do it here. But I have good news to bring. That as surely as God delivered Israel from Egypt, he is going to deliver us from here. Amen. Everybody ready to feel better? Luke chapter 12, verse number 35, Jesus speaks to us and he says, Let your waist be girded, put a belt on your waist, and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, this is the most important words that can come out of my mouth. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be ready. Make preparation. Put your belt on. Put your shoes on. Put your traveling clothes on. Put your staff in your hand. Look up to the sky, because that's where our redemption is coming from. Get yourself ready, keep yourself ready, and when that hour, when nobody is expecting this to happen, takes place, and that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise, you be ready if you're alive and remain at that time to be caught up together with them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. There are a lot of things that can happen that can captivate the attention of the entire world. And everybody's focus will be on that. Everybody's attention will be on that except for those who say, you know what? This looks like a good time for the Lord to come back. I think instead of, of uh, being anxious or, or paying too much attention to this thing that's got everybody's attention, you know what? The Lord just may come back while everybody's looking at that because he said he would. This may be the hour that nobody expects him to come. I think I'll just say, wait a minute. I'll disengage from what's going on and engage myself in a great anticipation. I'll lift up my head. All that's going on over there and everybody's got their mind on that. They can have it, Doc. I got my head lifted up. The Lord could come back at this. This could be the moment. And when he comes, I want him to find me looking up. 
When he comes, I want him to discover that I have made preparation. I got my waist girded with my belt. I got my shoes on. My walking staff's in my hand. And, you know, these are all metaphors, but you, you know what I'm saying. I have made preparation for this moment. And we're gone. Matthew 24, verse number 32, Jesus says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already come tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Then he says in verse 35, you get a hold of this. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. This Bible ain't going nowhere but up. It will not pass away. Brother Andy, why do you read so much scriptures for when you preach? Why don't you just dazzle us with your sparkling oratory? Because we need the word of God. We need the word of God more than we need my vain attempts at humor, I guarantee you. We need to hear what Jesus said. And more than that, we need to believe what Jesus said. His words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Somebody writes another book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. Lord, that's what, 40 years ago, almost, 30 years ago. However, I'm bad at math. Long time ago. He wrote the book, he made a lot of money, and Jesus didn't come back. You know, there have been organizations arise. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society have put a date on the coming of the Lord so many times, people just yawn now. They don't know. That day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. Listen, Jesus said, but my Father only. But here he gives us what to look forward. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. B. In another place, the Lord says, As it was in the days of Noah, shall it be. And beloved, we are living in them days. People have gone just stark, lunatic, crazy. Performing vile acts that the Apostle Paul says, I can't even talk about it. That it's so bad, I can't even share it with you. But y'all know what it is. We live in a world that is full of iniquity. We live in a world of people. All you got to do is read the arrest report. Get on 1180 on the website. I check it every day to see if I got kinfolks on there. Y'all laughing, but I'm serious. I do. But you see all the, uh, the, uh, the charges that keep Brother Kevin and, and, and uh, Sheriff Mark busy all the time. But I'm talking about people in Chattanooga County. And it's the you know, other side of the mountain, out of the way place like we live in. With, with a, a relatively speaking small population. But boy, we got a bunch of people that's just in a, in a mess. People who are committing violent, heinous acts. Because that's where it's come to. Evil men have waxed worse and worse. And we are living in the perilous times that the word of God declared to us would come to pass. We live there. That's what we're facing. The uncertainty of the coming months. We say, hey, how's this election going to you know, turn out? And I shared with you this morning, it ain't nothing to worry about or get anxious over because we're the children of God. We have everything to look forward to. What are we looking forward to, Brother Andy? Well, let's pick it up in verse 40 and see what Jesus said. 
Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now when we adjust our priorities to put that at the head of the list, we will do well. Amen. Now I watched part of that ball game today and the Falcons just stunk. Looks like it's going to be another year for the good old Atlanta Falcons. Georgia won, Alabama won, LSU won. I was all proud for that. And we get, you know, we get caught up in all this stuff. But it don't, you know, it don't break my heart like it used to because it's just a ball game. I'm looking for Jesus to come. Amen. What you going to do when the, 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 the resurrection and the rapture take place, Brother Andy? I'm going to look back on this old world and kiss my last bad day goodbye. Amen. No more insulin sticks. No more checking my blood sugar. No more taking my blood pressure. No more taking my cholesterol pill. Aren't you glad that there's no drugstores in heaven? There are no doctors in heaven. Amen. There are no psychiatrists in heaven. Because nobody needs it. Because everything is well. Everything is perfect. And that's where we're heading. If we could only get a glimpse like the Apostle Paul did of what waits for us, I, I, I guarantee you it would have. And that's how this first century church lived. They were looking for him to come back today. I get tickled at Brother Messer. He said, you know, I talk to a lot of preachers. and say, when do you think the Lord's coming back? And I say, oh, maybe two, three years. He said, I ain't met one that, that said I'm coming back today. And ever since I heard him say that, when I talked with him, we got talking about the coming of the Lord. I said, I, Brother Messer, I believe he's coming back today. Got this influence mind. That's how we ought to live, like he's coming back today. Don't be lulled to sleep or get your mind so preoccupied on something else that you lose uh, grasp of really what's important. The only thing that is important is that if you die, if, if you come down with an awful disease, or if you get hit by a truck, or a, a meteorite falls on you, if something happens and your body dies, the only thing that matters is that the angels of God come and escort your spirit into heaven itself. The only thing that matters is when your time is over here that you enter that city whose builder and maker is God. The only thing that matters is if you are alive and remain when that resurrection trumpet sounds and with the voice of the archangel, the Lord Jesus Christ steps forth, the only thing that matters is that you go up with the children of God. That is more important than anything else going on in your life. Amen. Oh, Brother Andy, I got trouble. My kid, You got kids in trouble. Best thing you can do is serve God fervently. Be an example. Have them say something about it. What, what are you doing that? And, and to, so an opportunity is created so you can tell them, look, I'm going to heaven. You can go too if you want to, but if you don't want to, I, I can't make you. My mind's made up. I'm going. Verse 43. Jesus said, but know this, again, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 44. Therefore you also be ready. He says it again. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, Brother Andy. How do I get ready? Well, let's find out. The book of James, chapter 5, verse number 7. James writes to us and he says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. And here it is, a three-word phrase. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. Settle the question. It's a good old Gaither song, I think it is, they wrote it. The, the question is settled. It's, it's part of those lyrics. Settle the question. Either Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the eternal God. He is either the perfect spotless Lamb of God who offered himself a perfect sacrifice on the cross. He is either the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the Gentiles. He is either King of kings and Lord of lords. He either is or he ain't. He either is who this Bible says that he is or he ain't. It's either or. And we must establish our hearts in the truth. Amen. How do I do that? I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, If we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, I confess. I'll just do mine first. I confess that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the eternal God. I confess that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is. I am in agreement with the Bible when it comes to Jesus. Amen. I'm supposed to be in agreement with the Bible when it comes to everything, but I'm showing up in agreement with the Bible when it comes to Jesus. I believe he is who this Bible says he is. I confess that before men. Now, when you do that, you're going to get a couple of, you're either going to get a, a joyful reaction from a fellow Christian or you're going to get a disdainful reaction from an unbeliever. You'll be laughed at, you'll be scoffed at, you'll be made fun of at work. Maybe even people in your family will look down their nose at you, but you know what, that's all right. Because I've matured to the place where I couldn't care less what people think about me. I confess Jesus Christ here or anywhere else that I may be. I confess him. Praise God. You know what else? I believe in my heart that God Almighty raised him from the dead and that he's alive. I believe that Sunday morning when they went to the tomb, they said, hey, how'd that rock get rolled away? And they poked their head in there. All they found was all that strips of cloth that he'd been wrapped up in had just compressed on that rock platform they put his body on. I believe they looked in there and he was gone. I believe they looked at themselves, each other, and said, hey, he's gone. I believe that Mary started squalling because she thought somebody had stolen him till she got out there and in a broken heart on her knees, her tears hitting that sand, making mud out of that dirt. And she cried out, oh God, what have they done with him? What indignity have they performed on him now? They've already thrashed him and scourged him and crucified him. And what else can they do? And her heart was broken until she saw somebody she thought was a gardener. Because she didn't recognize him. Because last time she saw him, he was tore up. Last time she saw him, he was in shreds. His head was swollen from that crown of thorns. His body was ripped. He was a bloody mess the last time she saw Jesus. So she thought this guy was the gardener because he didn't look like that. If you'll tell me where they laid him, 
Tell me where they've laid him. I'll go do what I can. And then she heard the voice of the shepherd call her name. Woohoo! And in a moment, everything changed. Brother Andy, do you believe it's going to take place in a moment in the twinkling of the eye? I sure do, because we have the example of Jesus at the tomb with Mary. She went from being as low as she's ever been to being as joyful as she's ever been that quick, because as soon as he spoke her name, she heard the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. When he said Mary, she knew it was him. She wheeled around and grabbed him by the knees and was not going to let him go. Mary, you got, you know, and I know that the 47 revision says, don't touch me, and we get this idea. That wasn't it. What he was saying, you get into the Greek. What he was saying was, honey, you're going to have to let go of my knees. You're going to have to let me go. She wasn't going to let him go. I'll never let you go. You got to let me go. Nope. I'll never let you. I've got you. You're alive from the dead like you said you would be. I'll never let you go. He had to tell her, you got to go tell the boys what you've seen. That's the only reason she let him go what was to obey his command. You believe that? Yeah, buddy. I believe that tomb was empty in my heart. I believe Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. I believe he's glorified, seated at the right hand of God the Father in the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't, my, my picture of Jesus in my imagination is not him hanging on the cross. My picture of Jesus in my imagination comes from the book of Revelation. Where his hair is white. His eyes are a flame of fire. He wears a holy vesture and garment. He is the holy warrior king. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Brother Andy, you believe all that? I believe all that. And you better if you go in when the Lord comes. Brother, have you got your traveling clothes on? Have you made preparations? Have you established your heart? I'm going to meddle a little bit and we're going to pray. Brother Clendenin taught us in the school of Christ. This may answer some folks' questions. He said, Brother, I spent 40 years in pastoral ministry running after people that didn't want it. Because I run after them and run after them and run after them. Tried to get them. They didn't want it. He said, It was just an exercise in frustration. He said, I finally just quit. Because you got to want it. If the only reason you come to church is because Brother Andy gives you a phone call, you ain't coming to church for the right reason. The only reason if the only reason you come is if for any other reason than to worship the Lord, you ain't coming for the right reason. When that trumpet sounds, you're gonna be left sitting in the pew. You gotta establish your heart. You gotta get your mind made up. You gotta settle a question. I believe he is who the Bible says that he is. And Lord, I want to be ready. When that moment takes place. Praise God. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye. Be too late. Too quick to pray. Without having any idea of what I was going to speak on tonight. In the vestibule following the service this morning. Leanna was talking about her granddaddy. And how her and her, her grandmother and, and uh, her brother. had uh, And her mama had all gone to the grocery store one time. And they was all gone from the house. There wasn't nobody at the house because they'd all gone to the grocery store. She said, and when we come back, my granddaddy, grandfather was in the house squalling, crying because he thought the Lord had come and he was left behind. 
Take the insecurity out of that. Take the anxiety out of that. Years ago, Dorothy and I hadn't been serving the Lord very long, just a little while after we got married. It was one of the time changes, and I forgot which one, but we jumped in that MG. We used to have MG midget. We used to have a Volkswagen camper van. We used to have a Jeep. And we had all kind of stuff before we got saved, and then all that went anyway. We had kids. <laughs> Glory to God. We jumped in that thing. We hadn't looked at the clock or whatever. Even when we made it over to the church. When we did, the parking lot was empty. There wasn't nobody there. Well, where is everybody? I said, well, dear God, I know it's not the rapture because I'm ready to go. If it had been the coming of the Lord, we'd have been gone out here. Now, I don't know what's going on, but I do know that. Well, Brother Andy, what gives you such confidence? You establish your heart, God will give you the confidence. You may look around and wonder where people are, but you ain't worried that the Lord's come back, snatched them out of here, and left you behind. Because you have assurance. You have established your heart. You have settled the question. And you know that you know that you know. And that's the only way to live. Who wants to live with a possibility of missing a resurrection hanging over your head? Just because you have a desire to indulge in some things that the Bible says you ought not to. Nothing is worth missing the resurrection over. Nothing. Nobody. Oh, he won't love me unless I, you know, do this. Put him on the road. Brother Andy, is that what you tell young ladies? That's exactly. That's why you better be careful before you send your daughter to young, you know, we need to talk, Brother Andy, about your, yeah, because I'll tell him right quick. Does he love the Lord? No, put him on the road. Get him out of your life. He ain't going to change after you get married. He needs change before you get married. He needs to be right with God before you get married. Woo-wee, I know I'm stepping on some soaked toes, but I'm telling you, that's what I tell, will tell my granddaughters. Amen. That's happened with us, you know. Dorothy and I, she got prayed through, I prayed through. We've been serving the Lord ever since. Serve the Lord. Don't let anybody get in your way. Don't let anybody get in between you and the resurrection. Boy, I'm talking to somebody. Don't let anybody get between you and the resurrection. Don't let anything this world has to offer get between you and the resurrection. I worked with a guy, uh, Richard Hall, when I worked at uh, Salem Carpet up in Lafayette right after the earth cool, where I met Dorothy. And he was a uh, Vietnam veteran. Great guy, great Christian guy. And if something uh, big noise happened, boom, like that, Richard was on the floor. He did it without thinking for the time he served in Vietnam. And he'd get up and be all red-faced. I'd say, it's all right, Richard, I understand. He said, man, I can't help it. He said, when I hear a noise like that, I'm back in Vietnam, and I'm on that floor. That's incoming mortars to me. And he said, you know what I, what I did before I went to sleep every night in, in, in the bunk when we were in the Quonset huts or whatever? I said, no. Nah. He said, I cleared a path between me and that bunker. They wasn't nothing between where I was sleeping and that bunker. My boots weren't in the way. Nobody else's boots was in the way. Before I laid down, I made sure there was a clear, unobstructed path between me and that bunker. Because when them mortars come in, I was going to that bunker, and I didn't want to trip on nothing. He made preparation for the inevitable. And that's what we must do, too. Don't let anything get in your way between you and the resurrection. Nothing is worth it. No sacrifice is too great. If you have to sacrifice, you do it. But don't you let nothing or nobody get between you and the coming of the Lord.
brother, sister, have you got your traveling clothes on? Let's stand together. <laughs>